giving you the permission because we're going in some different directions here. But I want to start, first of all, by sharing with you, because it's Mission Sunday, and I asked Terry to share a story of what was going on in Kurdistan. Here's our Great Commission Fund. This is the fund that we talked about last November. We pledged, we asked God for 10% of our general budget. And we pledged $65,404 in last November. And from November to now, Gateway Church has given $47,886. Thank you, thank you, thank you, because that's my heart and that's what we're about here at Gateway Church. And I just love that opportunity that we have to give, and I wanted to thank you for being a part of that, for seeing that vision, and for giving. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to share this morning. Thank you for Memorial Day and for those that have given their lives in our country, the sacrifice that they gave, and for your son, the sacrifice that he gave on the cross. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that we have here at Gateway Church to minister to others. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, and the opportunity that we have to give and to go. And thank you for a church that supports that and the people that believe in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, for some of you that might be here this morning, you're like, okay, it's Memorial Day weekend, I got Monday off, it's a vacation, it's holiday, I kind of have a little extra time. For some of you, missions is important, but it's just one of those things that happens, and you're wondering why you're here on Memorial Day weekend. I want to thank you for coming to church on Sunday, and even though it's probably a nice day out and you have a million other things you'd like to do, but God's got you here, and I think it's a reason why he's got you here. I have a question I want to ask you. What does the voice of God sound like? You ever heard the voice of God? You might say, I don't think I have. Well, if you are a Christian and you claim Jesus Christ as your Savior and you have a conversion experience, I believe you heard the voice of God. Because the Bible says that dead people can't respond, we're spiritually dead. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal himself to us, and by that we become Christians. So if you are a, a Christian, you claim to know Christ, you have heard the voice of God. But maybe you wonder, yeah, that was a long time ago, or what does his voice really sound like? Maybe it's his deep radio voice that, you know, people get paid thousands of dollars to speak in some certain way to advertise something. I don't know, is that the way God sounds? Maybe it's beautiful music like we heard up here this morning, worship music, or a song that you really enjoy. Maybe God's voice to you sounds like your dad. <laughs> Good or bad, when he would yell at you or Maybe when he was encouraging to you. Why do we always associate words with the voice of God? Does he always speak audibly? 
I'm going to go through a couple of references in Scripture, and I'm going to read them to you, and you can follow along in your Bibles, or you can read along with me here. But I'm going to show you some instances in the, God, in the Bible where God spoke to people. And then I'm going to share with you some of the personal experiences in my life of where God spoke to me. And uh, I just want to challenge you with this today to, to listen for the voice of God in your life. Genesis chapter 9, verse 12 through 17. Then God said, I'm going to give you a side of my covenant with you and with all living creatures of all generations to come. Now this is the story of Noah. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds and I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. And God said to Noah, yes, this rainbow is a sign of the covenant that I am confirming with all the creatures on the earth. God used the rainbow to speak to Noah. Never saw a rainbow before. We see them to this day, but that promise was for Noah. And it's a reminder to us. Numbers chapter 22, verses 21 through 31. This is a fun story. You remember these stories from when you were in Sunday school, right? So the next morning, Balaam, you remember this story? Got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry with Balaam that Balaam was going. So he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his path. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road. Now the, the donkey saw the angel with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved farther down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. <laughs> what does God's voice sound like? A donkey? <laughs> Isn't it kind of funny that it doesn't say in here Balaam fell over in disbelief because the donkey spoke. It just says, then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times, it asked Balaam. And rather than be astonished, he replies back. <laughs> You've made me look like a fool. Now that doesn't look like a fool talking to a donkey. Balaam shouted, if I had this sword with me, I would kill you. But I am the same donkey you've ridden all your life. The donkey answered, have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. I mean, they're having a conversation. And he doesn't even realize it's God's voice. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. You heard these stories before in Sunday school, right? It was just a donkey talking, but 
I'm putting it in light today of the voice of God and what it might sound like to you. Acts chapter 9 is another one. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Christians. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. This is ISIS a long time ago. We're going to go and we're going to kill everybody who (laughs) claims to follow another religion. And Saul was the best of them. And he was on his way to Damascus. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The voice of God. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. He didn't understand it was God's voice. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the voice of someone, but saw no one. I got one more for you. Sometimes God speaks, sometimes God writes. This is the message that was written. This is in Daniel. Many, many, tekel and parson. This is what these words mean. Numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Means divided. Your kingdom has divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel is dressed in purple robes. You got to read that whole story because it's really funny about Daniel didn't even want that. He just told them what was going to happen that he was going to die that night. And they dressed him up in purple robes and thanked him for his message. A gold chain was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the land. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. What does the voice of God sound like? I just read to you four passages of Scripture, how God speaks, God uses signs, God writes on the wall. Here's an interesting thought. God never uses the same illustration twice. Has he ever used the rainbow to share another promise of who he is? I've never heard of anybody else having their donkey speak to them. Now, Mr. Ed's a show from a long time ago. There was a horse that spoke, but that was TV. Has God written on the walls of your home? Interesting that God is so creative, he doesn't have to do the same thing over and over again. So when we talk about listening and hearing God's voice, it's kind of difficult because I can't write a book about it and tell you if you just do these four things, then you'll hear the voice of God. Why is it important? So what? God speaks. Yeah, you just explained that to us in the Bible. Big deal. I think it's important because that's how he directs our lives. Have you ever had that sinking feeling in your life where maybe I shouldn't do something? You ever had that? Um, I had one of those experiences. And one of my mentors is here, Alvin Wilhelm. Al, where are you? 
There he is. Okay, I told him I was going to tell the story. He doesn't know what I'm going to tell. But when I was a kid, I used to work at this place called the Gospel Ranch, and Alvin was the director, the leader down there. And um, part of my job when I was there, we used to bale hay. And not these big round bales where you just drive around with a tractor and pick them up. No, they're the square ones that you got to pick up and throw on hay. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, thousands of them a summer. So we could feed horses and cows in the winter. Well, part of my job was to stand on a hay wagon. And there was a guy driving a tractor. And then there's a baler. Some of you guys understand what this is. Some of you guys have never seen it. And on this baler, these bales come off after they're tied with twine. They come off and they come onto this wagon. And you got a hay hook that you grab that bale, pull it off, and you turn around and you stack it on this wagon. And you got to stack them right. And Alvin showed me how to stack them right. So you get them all on the wagon and they're faced in so they don't fall off when you're driving down the road to bring them back to the barn. Well, there was a kid. This, there's also a camp tied along with this ranch where kids came from the Twin Cities and they were there for a week of camp. Well, this one kid got into trouble. So their job, they thought, we'll put him to work with the hay balers. So they put him on a wagon with me to help me load bales of hay. Well, he didn't know what he was doing, and he was a little uncoordinated, and he was very weak. And so I said, here's the hay hook. Just grab the bale off of there, pull it off the baler, and hand it to me. Well, he's on his hands and knees on this hay wagon trying to push a bale to me because he can't pick it up, and it's causing me more pain than it is any value. So I just put a bale down on the wagon, and I said, sit down. (laughs) I can do it faster without you than I can watching you try to lift a bale. Hey, so he's sitting on a wagon. It's probably 75, 80 degrees, and you're going real slow in the field, and he's sitting there on the bale, and pretty soon he falls asleep. In my hand, I had a hay hook. Now, the hay hook that I had was a little bit different because it had a little bit of a bend in it. I don't know if you remember this, Alvin. But we used to mess around with each other when some guy was sitting on a bale. You would take that hay hook and you would go, and you would just go right alongside his leg. Just to skin his leg, you know. You wouldn't drive it into his leg, just alongside the edge, you know. And then they'd wake up. Well, this kid was sleeping on this bale, and I thought, I'm going to mess with him. So I went to skin the hay hook alongside of his leg, but the little bend went that way instead of that way. And I drove that hay hook (laughs) right into the meat of his thigh. About three inches. Because these babies are sharp. And they're not real clean because they've been... (laughs) dragging dirty grass all day. Needless to say, he woke up. His eyes were huge, and he looks down, and I'm like, oh, no. So I grabbed it right away, and I yanked it out of his leg. I had to take him to the hospital later that day. They put stitches in his leg. You ever get that sinking feeling like you shouldn't do something? That wasn't God telling me. That was just stupidity, okay? That's not God's voice. 
I'm just here to tell you, sometimes we do stupid things and you just know you shouldn't do it. But when God speaks to us, he speaks with purpose. With life-changing direction and with unique ways that can't be described or brushed away. I know people who've lived for years as followers of Christ who would say, I, I've never heard God speak to me. What are you talking about? But I'm willing to say that uh, I, I think it's time. I think it's time for each one of us in this room to open up our spiritual eyes and open up our spiritual ears to try and listen to see, to hear what God's trying to say to you. And today I'm going to give you some examples from my life. And I want you to remember that it's not about the rainbow, it's not about the donkey, it's not about the way God speaks to me, but I'm giving you these examples because I want you to see that God does speak and he will speak to you. This message has been taking place in my life for about 15 years and I think it's at the point where I can actually share it now, so... Um, you might think, wow, does it take 15 years to hear the voice of God? No, I don't think so, but for me, this is how long it's taken to hear and I think to see where God is directing. My paths and, and hopefully the paths of Gateway Church. Sometimes God uses his word to speak directly to us. Most of you know that I run a short-term missions organization called Harvest Ministries and Used to be really busy going to Mexico multiple times a year. And uh, part of what every group that I brought did was at 5 a.m. we got up, because the church got up at 5 a.m., we went to the church and we prayed from 5 to 6 in the morning. Now it's all dark in there. Miguel knows this because Miguel was there all the time with me. And in Mexico, in that culture and in that place, they did things a little differently. They... They walked around, first of all, because they didn't want to fall asleep if they sat down, because it's dark. They don't turn the lights on, and everybody prays out loud, all together, at the same time. It gets really confusing for Americans, because we want to do a prayer meeting where I pray, and then somebody else prays, and somebody else prays. They just all pray at the same time, because God can hear us all, right? So we were in one of those prayer times, and I challenged everybody to be silent and to listen for the voice of God. We'd spent some time praying. We were in a, an attitude of prayer. And I said, just listen to see if God speaks to you. And one time when I did that, I heard these two words. Well done. I needed that. I was doing ministry and loving what I was doing, what God was calling me to do, but you, you get to those points where you wonder, is this, is this all you have for me, God, or what else do you have, or am I doing the right thing? Do you ever ask that question in your job? When you get up in the morning? Am I doing the right thing today, God? What do you want me to do? And it was really clear, God just said, well done. And and it came out of this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 25. It said, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you 
many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver coins came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. God spoke to me in very clear words. Two words, well done. And then he backed it up with scripture. That was encouraging to me. And uh, I continued in ministry for years off of those two words because it was confirmation from God that what I was doing is what he wanted me to do. And I didn't need to listen to anybody else telling me you should go and do this or you should go there. You know, I was looking at other mission organizations and they were going to Guatemala and they were going to Africa and they were going to the Middle East. And God said, well done. You're doing what I've called you to do. And I was okay with that. But then Satan comes in or distractions come in and my whole life was evolved around this ministry and my salary, my living expenses came out of the people who came and took mission trips. So I developed the, the budget off of what money we had coming in and um, it was a great way to to see God work in our lives. I didn't have to go to people and, and solicit money. The people that used the ministry paid for the ministry, and they paid for all the things that it took to run the ministry. And things were going really well, and yet I was nervous. You know, what if nobody shows up and comes to Mexico next summer and I don't have any money, and then my family's starving? You ever go through that where you wonder about your finances? You know, God, are you going to take care of me? Anybody here dealt with that before in your life? Yeah, we all have, haven't we? And I'll never forget, you know, God would remind me. You know, I had a family who, I never asked for money, but I had a family who used to give me $5,000 a year. Just say, just keep using it in the ministry. Man, that was a blessing. And I was struggling at one point going, hey, God, you know, I'm just nervous about next year, what's going to happen? I'll never forget, I went to the mailbox and there was a check from somebody I barely even knew for $500. I said, use it for the ministry. Wow, thank you, God, for supplying my needs. But yet I still struggled. And then I was in another prayer time, and I don't know where if this one was in Mexico or where it was at, but I heard God speak to me again. And he said these two words. I will. And immediately I knew what he was saying. I will take care of you. And he brought me to this passage in scripture. Philippians 4.19 it says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Wow. God spoke to me again. Two words. Real simple, you know, I'm a little kid from northern Minnesota. Simple words, you know, real simple message. It works for me. And God has supplied my needs from that moment, before that moment, to this day. And I can tell you other stories of how God 
miraculously supplies for my needs and my family's needs. And, and I thank him for that. And these are the words that I rely on when I struggle in my life, like our washing machine just broke last week. <laughs> we weren't expecting to go and buy a new washing machine, but now I've got to buy a new washing machine. God will provide what we need when we need it. Amen? Now, I don't think God always uses Scripture to reveal himself. But one thing I do know, he will never contradict Scripture. If he tells you to do something, and it's in contradiction to Scripture, maybe it's just more like the hay hook. It's just bad pizza you had the night before or whatever, and you probably shouldn't do it. I'll never forget, I was... Part of my job here is to handle benevolent requests at church. I had a guy come in and he wanted money for rent. But he was living with his girlfriend. There are two things that our church does not provide money for in benevolent requests. People who want to cohabitate together. If you're not married, we're not going to pay to help you live in sin. And we're not going to pay for your cell phone. You can come to the church and use a phone if you need to. It's kind of a, a want in our society, but we've created it as a need. So those are two things that we won't pay for. Well, I had a guy in my office, and he wanted money so that he could live together with his girlfriend. I said, we're not going to do that. It's not scriptural. It's not biblical. And we will not pay for that. He said, are you God? And I said, no. He said, well, God told me that I should live with this girl. I said, no, God did not tell you that because scripture is very clear on that. He got mad and he left. I haven't seen him to this day, but I know this, that God will not contradict the scripture when he speaks to you. So if you're wondering if it's his voice, that's where I would go first. See if the Bible says it's true. All right. Now we're years later. And um, I'm living off of those two phrases. Now, I'm uh, in prayer again, and I'm asking God what he wants me to do in my life. You see, when I was taking groups into Mexico, and things were going well, and then some... Violence started showing up, especially in the city of Reynosa, where I work. To the point where people were afraid to go into that city, were afraid to send their kids into that city, and uh, did not want to have any type of experience of their families going into Reynosa. So my numbers started to drop. And I was asking God, okay, is this the end of Harvest Ministries? What do you, what's next? And uh, I'll never forget, God gave me two words again. And I wasn't looking for two words, okay? I got to admit, I was not looking for two words. And I'm here to tell you that God is not going to speak to you in two words today. Don't go home and ask for two words from God, okay? He's not going to do it. But he gave me two more words. And it was this. Go big. What does that mean? 
Well, in my fix-it mentality of a man in the United States, go big, okay, we're going to go big. I'm going to start, you know, soliciting funds. We're going to build a staff. We're going to go around the world. We're going to do ministry. Harvest Ministries is going to become this big organization because God told me to go big. And God said, wait, wait. It's not about you. It's about me and what he wanted to do in my life. So I said, okay, what do you want me to do? He said, just wait. I, I waited for years to get answers to this one right here. What does it mean to go big? If you don't want me to increase the size of this ministry, what, what is it that you want me to do? And if you don't think that God can actually speak in those terms, because I went to the Bible and said, okay, God, I need a little help with this, because this might have just been me wanting two more words. Here's the verse that God gave me on go big. Isaiah chapter 55. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Go big. I don't know if God's completed the answer to that, but as I was preparing for that trip to Sulaymaniyah, I was somewhere in Elk River. I was driving my truck. I was going to get some supplies and those kinds of things, and God just said to me, how big do you think this is? You're going halfway around the world. This is your third time in four years you're going over there. Do you think this could be a part of that answer? I said, okay, God, I get it. I get it. And as I began to pray, I saw even larger things that can happen with this phrase. Three minutes I got to close. I want to challenge you with something today as I close. There's two reasons why you heard this message here today. Number one, you're here because God led you to this place. And at this time, because God wants to speak to you. And I don't know what he wants to say to you, and I don't know how he wants to say it. And we're going to have some prayer ministry people that are going to come up here in a couple of minutes, and they would be willing to pray with you. I would be willing to pray with you, but God might be speaking to you or wanting to speak to you, and that's why he has you here. And God desires a unique and a personal relationship with everybody here. And if you don't have that relationship with him, today is your day to hear the voice of God. Your voice of God might come through a dream, through prayer, through reading the word, through a conversation you might have with someone. It might even be today through this message that God has given to you today. Second reason why you're here today. Gateway Church needs to go big. If you call Gateway Church your church and this is where you worship on a regular basis, I want you to think about what that means for us corporately. We're a growing family after God's heart. What does that look like in light of going big? Is it your spiritual walk? Is it the size of our ministry? 
Is it the scope of what we do overseas in missions? I don't have all those answers, but I want to challenge you to seek God's voice and say, what is my part in Gateway Church's role to go big? I don't know where that is. I don't know what it's going to look like. I am not planning or saying that I'm God's voice for you, but I believe God gave me this platform and the position that I have at Gateway Church to help us realize what it means to go big. Does God speak? Absolutely. If you don't believe that, start talking to people who know Jesus as their personal Savior. Do you hear his voice? Only if you open your eyes and your ears to what he has to say. Let's pray. Lord, what a joy it is for us to hear your voice. Lord, I ask that you would speak to those people here today who are going, I don't know what preacher's talking about today, but I'd like to hear your voice. Not just to say that we have a story to tell, Lord, but because I believe you speak with purpose and destiny into our lives. We desperately want that. We desperately want it for ourselves, and we want it for this church, Lord. What do you have in store for Gateway Church? What does our growing family look like to you? And how do we succeed at doing what you've called us to do? Lord, thank you for this group of people that are here. Thank you for the opportunity we had to worship you today. I pray it would have been honoring to you and that we would have glorified your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.